Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. We've been in uh, uh, Proverbs for a few weeks uh, now and talking about uh, how the Lord speaks to us as His children and how He, he uh, wants to give us wisdom. He wants to share with us and help us in the direction and the path of our life. But just as any, just as any good father, uh, the Lord uh, warns His children. Warnings, warnings. Uh, uh, in the Scripture, Proverbs is full of these of saying, uh, watch out, caution, beware, warning uh, of sin and things in, the, uh, in this world here on this earth that are traps, that can destroy, that can really hurt. Proverbs 14 and verse 9, just one verse to get us kicked off here, but the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 9, fools make a mock at sin. But among the righteous there is favor. It says fools make a mock at sin. Unfortunately, today uh, in our culture, uh, that's the end thing for comedy, right? To make a mock at sin, to take sin and, and joke about it and talk about it. Uh, but let's just be clear for a second what the Bible's definition of a fool or the fool, because as you read through the Proverbs, uh, he mentions the fool, a fool, so many times uh, throughout Proverbs. But let's be clear what the scriptural definition of a fool is. It is what it is not. It is not someone that is uh, mentally deficient. That's not what a fool is in the, in the scripture and, and the definition of it. But it is one who is arrogant. It is one that is self-sufficient. Uh, the fool is one that lives their lives as if there is no God. And that's, that's scary because we as believers, although we've trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can continue to live as though there is no God. We say there's a God. This is the, this is the part that the, uh, the world looks at us and says that you're a hypocrite, right? Because we live like, uh, we say we're a Christian, we say we believe in God, but yet, you know, we say that we believe in heaven, we say that we believe in hell, we say we believe in the things that the Word of God says, but if we were to ask ourselves, do we live like we believe that this week? Do we live like we believe that there's an eternal hell, an eternal heaven, that there is a God and He is wanting to lead us and guide us and direct us in our lives? The fool was one that will uh, value just temporary pleasure over eternal blessing. The fool is one that uh, is will go his or her own way, his or her own inclinations, and not seek God, not seek the wisdom of God. Just some verses out of Psalms and the Proverbs. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs 10.23 says, it is sport to a fool to do mischief. 
to get into trouble, to get into sin. It's a game. It's not that serious. See, they make a mock at it. But what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to get across here for just a second is our Heavenly Father tells us the seriousness of sin and the penalties for it and the payment for it, which is very harsh. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 16, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. The fool rageth and is confident. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction. In Proverbs 28.6 he says, He that trusteth in his own heart, you know, his own way, his own inclination, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible tells us, and even Christ talks about uh, in, the, in the New Testament, in, in, the, in Luke, he tells us a parable of a fool. He tells us in Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, and he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to, uh, where to bestow my fruits? And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Amen. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Again, last week we talked about the value of wisdom, right? It's far more valuable than silver, gold, precious stones, rubies, all these sort of things that wisdom's value is. And what he's saying here is not that it's wrong that this man was rich, not that it was wrong that this man had goods for the rest of his life, the thing that was wrong and the thing that was so foolish about this is this man thought that now life was over. Now he can take his ease. Now that there's nothing else worth living for if you have all the earthly goods that you need. He was rich toward uh, earthly things, but he was poor toward heavenly things or eternal things toward God. And that is foolish. To be able to take our life and to spend it here on this earth for things that are just temporary. <coughs> for things that are just temporary as opposed to what we could spend our lives for. Things that are eternal. Living after God. See, again, we say, would we? again, i got to go back to this. What, where would we put ourselves? Do we live our life as if there is no God? Now we say we believe there's a God. We say all those sort of things. But let's ask ourselves the question, this last week or this last month or just this last year, how much of our time was spent with this in mind? There is an eternity in the here and now. It's just fleeting. It's fast. It's as a, va it's as a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. But there is an eternity. Right? There is a God. The Proverbs is full of all these warnings. You cannot read the. It is so full of warnings. The direction that you're going, the path that you're on, the decisions that you're making. So very day-to-day -day practical on the warnings. And it, again, these warnings are not God trying to uh, take, take away our fun. 
It is God trying to show us what is right and good for us. Right. He loves His children. Yeah. He loves His children. There's warning signs. There's traps. The Bible calls these snares. Right? If you get caught in them, then they can bring destruction and destroy. The Proverbs talks about certain characters that we should avoid or that we should try to get out of our own life if it's, the, if it's true, right? The fool, the strange woman, the slothful person, the angry person, the scorner, and you go on and on. There's multiple. He talks about characteristics uh, that we should avoid in our own life and in others like, the, like pride, right? Laziness, greed, drunkenness, perverseness, violence, contention, envy. I mean, he puts all these things in there as uh, warnings toward us, saying these are warning signs. You know, wisdom, God's wisdom will help us as we submit to it and we seek Him, will help us spot the warning signs. Spot the traps. Spot the snares. We as believers, we as Christians... Uh, in the New Testament, we have the Word of God to help us to see these warning signs. We have the Holy Spirit of God to help us. You know, we should be able to recognize the warning signs, those you know, flashing lights, if you will, uh, in our heart and in our lives when our love starts going cold toward God. That's a warning sign that, hey, danger is ahead. When we become kind of nonchalant or complacent about the things of God, His Word, the people of God, all those sort of things, His, His, His calling, His commission. When our heart starts to go cold and we be kind of get where it's not, we're not burdened, if you will, like we don't feel the call, that should be a warning sign that says something isn't right because if I'm Spirit-filled, Spirit-led... I'm going to see what the way that God sees. I'm going to see the things as God sees it. And that should be a, a warning sign. But see, he says the fool makes a mock at sin. He sees the warning signs, right? And it doesn't take it serious. Doesn't think that, hey, that's important or that that even applies to me. But the Scripture takes the subject of sin very serious. Would you agree with that? Same. Now, this sermon, if we start talking about sin, I know that this isn't like one of those feel-good uh, sermons, you know, we kind of leave. But actually, if you hear me out through the whole thing, there is, a, there is a good side to this. There is a good side. But the Bible talks about it a lot. And Proverbs talks about it a lot. So it's something that we need to look into and to address in our lives. The fool will make a mock at sin, but the Bible tells us that uh, sin has a high price. Now, the Bible teaches us, without going into great detail in the study of it, but iniquity was first found in Satan, right? He was first found in, 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 in the devil, and the devil attempted Eve, and, and before, uh, before it was all said and done, had Adam and Eve to fall. Through their temptation, they sinned against God, the commandment of God. They became disobedient. To the Lord, and because of this sin, uh, death passed upon all men. The Bible says, "For all have sinned." In other words, now there's a nature in us as we are born that we have sin in us. Therefore, when we talk about this subject of sin, I know without a shadow of a doubt that it affects us all. All of us have seen and know and feel 
and understand the effects of sin. The Bible says the wages or the payment of sin is death. And as much as we in our culture today try to, uh, you know, try to make death not as, we make it as, you know, soft as possible, we all see it. We all see the effects of it. Uh, it is pretty clear throughout the scripture that all death can be laid at the, at the feet of sin and ultimately Satan. That's not how God created it. That's not what it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. But because sin entered, then came death. And it's such a serious thing that we don't even understand what it would be like in our mind to live without it. I mean, we've just had to, we've just had to deal with it. It's in our members. The creation has to deal with it. The Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 3 that because of sin, there became a curse on the earth, Right? And then, in Romans, I believe, chapter 8 was, or chapter 7, chapter 8, where he talks about even the creation, it groans, awaiting, awaiting the the Savior, awaiting to be set free. All creation even groans. And we see, my goodness, we're praying for the people affected by uh, Harvey and and now Irma and all this. uh, But we see that, man, creation's kind of dangerous at times. There are some things that happen uh, here in this world that uh, were not meant to be. But you say, "What's, what's, what's the issue? There's a curse. There's a curse. And with the curse brings death. It's a serious, serious subject in the, in the Scripture. The Bible says uh, sin in our lives will make for a hard life. This is again, I'm, tell, I'm saying this as the, the father is telling his children to avoid this. Why? Because it makes it hard. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15, the Bible says, Good understanding giveth favor. And then think about this, just, uh, this sentence. But the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. You say, what's that mean? If we're going to go down that road of uh, forget God, do it your own way, uh, do what feels right, you're in for some hardships. You're in for some hard, hard times. That's what the Father is saying. Listen, you see it today. You see the effects and even in our culture, uh, even in our, right here in Ohio, the effects of, of this uh, uh, opioid and heroin epidemic, that, that makes for a hard life. Any type of addiction like that, any type of, of vice, any type, big or small, uh, uh, praise God, the testimony this morning, Diana, God delivering you from this. Uh, this is, this, this breaking the chains over... That many years, that takes a miracle of God. But listen, when you're when you're in bondage to a vice like any of this or any type of other thing, man, it leads to hardships. It leads to a hard life. The, the Lord tells us, listen, avoid the sin in our life. Avoid the sin in our life. Why? Because if you can if you can say no and you can follow the Lord in the sin in your life, it'll make it not so hard. The way of the transgressor. Is hard. It can destroy a life. It can destroy your health. It can destroy your name. It can destroy your family. It can de- sin 
listen, and, and I, again, I know that this isn't the most uplifting. The, the uplifting parts come in here at the end. But I'm just trying to say the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. And if we're set here this morning and think that we are immune to making the wrong choices and destroying our own life or destroying our own family or destroying things like that, we're missing it. We're all, we all have choices to make. And, and this is why it's so important that we seek the wisdom of God and seek the Word of God. Why? Because our Heavenly Father knows the danger of sin. Paul the Apostle knew about this, didn't he? Before Paul the Apostle saw Tarsus, Jesus said to him, uh, uh, Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's what he said to Saul of Tarsus. He said, Saul, you're just, he said, listen, Saul, you're going down a hard life and it's going to get harder and harder. And the more stubborn you get and the more hard headed and the more proud you get, the harder it's going to get. And Saul of Tarsus made the right decision right there at that moment and said, I surrender myself to you, Lord. And from this day forward, Lord, I want to go your way. Saul of Tarsus said, I no longer want to go the hard way. I no longer want to go my way. I no longer want to go the way of the world or the philosophy of the world. Saul of Tarsus said, change me, Lord, and I will go your way. Paul understood this, understood this exceeding sinfulness of sin. Turn to, turn to Romans chapter 7. We'll read a few verses from here. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Begin in verse 13. Romans 7 and verse 13, the Bible says, Was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Paul said sin, was, sin had emotion. Sin was at work in me and it was causing death. Not the, just the death of myself, but the death of others. I mean, my sin caused the death of Stephen, right? It was working death in me, right? It was wor- He said, and then the law came and I saw myself and my sin for what it was. And sin became exceeding sinful. That's a good place for us to be. Again... I know I'm talking about sin here, and that's not like woohoo, an exciting message. I feel really uplifted, but I'll tell you, it'll do a, it'll it'll do a world of good for us if we see the sin in us as exceeding sinful. This self righteousness that is carried around by some Christians is absolutely works against God. When we see ourselves in need of a Savior, when we see ourselves like Paul the Apostle saw himself as exceeding sinful, he said later he was the chief of sinners. And he was. I mean, he is a terrorist. But he saw it. He recognized the sin in himself. And then he goes on to tell us the struggle even now as a Christian that he has. He goes on, look at verse 15 of chapter 7. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. 
For then I do that which I would not. I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it. And again, he's back and forth with the I. The I, Saul of Tarsus, the old man, right? And the I, Paul, the apostle, the new man. He's kind of back and forth, uh, the struggle. He says, but sin, look at that, verse 17. But sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that's in my flesh, Paul says, Saul of Tarsus, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He goes on to say, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what the answer to sin is? (laughs) The answer to sin is God. Jesus Christ our Lord. I say all this about sin this morning to say sin is very serious. And if, if we were to be wise children, we would recognize it for what it is. But sin becoming exceeding sinful makes our Savior that much greater. When we realize the seriousness of sin in our own life. Now, you know, it's easy to look around and see the sin in everybody else's life. That's not right, right? When we recognize the sin that is in our lives, that makes our Savior that much greater when we realize what He has done for us in paying our sin debt. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 20, He says this, Hatred stirreth up strife. Hatred stirreth up strife. But love covereth all sins. That's a good verse to remember. When there's somebody that's stirring up strife, there's hate in their heart. Right? If you're stirring up strife, there's hate in your heart. But love covereth all sins. You say, what love? Oh, what love? What love? The love of Jesus Christ, right? The love of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love that covers the sin of us. What a great Savior we have. I want you to look at something in Ephesians chapter 2 with me. In Ephesians chapter 2. This is somewhat of a simple message, but hopefully it will help us out. I believe every child of God, every child of God should, should understand this divine revelation of salvation. You say, why is it so important? Well, one, it applies to you. It will really help your... Uh, thankfulness and praise to the Lord. But one step further than even that, it's our, it's our responsibility to share it with the world. And so we need to know it. We need to, be able to, we need to be able to share it. We need to be able to tell the answer for man's biggest problem, which is sin, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Salvation. Salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse... This is a big deal. I mean, this is what it, this is what we believe. This is what we stand on. That hey, listen, we're not just a religious group. We are the redeemed. That's right. I mean, we are the redeemed. We are the children of God, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's serious. Ephesians chapter two and verse one. This is what Paul says in the church at Ephesus. And you hath he quickened. You Christians hath he made alive, who were dead. And trespasses and sins. That's what sin does to us. It's, uh, we're dead spiritually. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, 
church. There was a direction that we were heading that was contrary to God, that was against God, that was the way that the world, the way that the children of disobedience walk. Among whom, verse 3 also, we had our conversation, our way of life, and time passed, and the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by, say it, nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy with His great love wherewith He loved us. You see, it's the love that covers the sin. With His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, made us alive in Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places, I want you to notice this, in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. We have a bright future. We have a bright future. If you're in Christ, you have a bright future. Why? Because in the ages to come, (laughs) He wants to show us His exceeding riches and grace and kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace He is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You see in that passage, there's, two, there's really two people. I know this is making it real simple here, but he makes it uh, simple and he says that there are those that are in sin and there are those that are in Christ. It's not, it's not necessarily that there's good people and bad people. It's not necessarily that. We always like to try to do that. You know, the religious good people and then the, the bad people. It, it's not that. He didn't say that at all. He said we're all bad. That's right. We're all bad. We're all in sin. We're all against God. We're all going our own way in one way or the other. Whether that's religion or that's pride or that's uh, vice or whatever it is. It's all that. He says it's, it's not the, the good and the bad. It's the in Christ or in sin. And if we are in Christ, that means that He paid our sin debt. His love. See, the vehicle, the vehicle that God uses to take an individual from in sin to in Christ is salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. By His shed blood on the cross. See, sin being our big problem, Salvation is God's remedy. Salvation is, shows us the full measure of God's love toward us. Salvation shows us how much and how far God would go for us. The cure for sin is found in Jesus Christ. Sin must be paid for. Sin just cannot be... Uh, 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 it can be forgiven, but it just can't be like forgiven away without a payment. Amen. You know, we, salvation is free... For us. But it was paid for by Jesus Christ. And it was a high payment. Salvation is free for us. There is a substitute. Jesus Christ is our substitute. That holy, He meets that holy demand of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 3. This is where it starts to get exciting for us. This is the good news. The good news, the gospel. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. The Bible says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. 
You see that? That's how we started off. Uh, the foolish. The foolish lives as if there is no God. Self-sufficient, arrogant. We were believers at one time. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hatred and hating one another. That doesn't sound like any way to live, does it? But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appear. Man, isn't that a good verse? This is how we were. We were without hope. We couldn't change our circumstances. This, is the, this, is the, this was the situation that we were in but God, right? But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, they, that being justified by His grace, just as if I'd never sinned, justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He's saying, listen, yes, sin was bad. Sin was all these things. But the love of God came so that we could be saved, so that we could have salvation. Now, because of God's love, because of His kindness, because of His mercy, we have hope. We have eternal life. We are sealed by His Spirit. Those that receive Christ, those that are born again, we're sealed by His Spirit. We're partakers of His inheritance. We're accepted in the Beloved, right? We're citizens of heaven. We're complete in Christ. We're partakers of all spiritual blessing. I'm just trying to say all the benefits, all the great things that we have is not because of the good things that we've done. It's because of what Christ has done for us. He has paid our sin debt. He has paid our sin debt and taken it upon Himself Look, just, just flip back a couple pages to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I mentioned this verse earlier, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul starts off in verse 1 by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Paul starts off by saying, listen, this is what we have as believers. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who paid our sin debt on Calvary. He goes on to say in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord, uh, grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. See, this was an important, important thing to Paul the Apostle because he says, listen, Jesus Christ came into the world showing His love to save sinners. Paul says, sinners like me. Sinners like me, the chief of sinners, those that would even persecute the church of God, breathing out threatenings and all these sort of things. He says, even someone as bad as me 
God came to save and to forgive and to show His grace and mercy. Uh, A God that would save a sinner like Paul. And a God that would save a sinner like us. This is a great Savior. This is a great Savior. I believe that the Bible says that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I like that verse. That yes, yeah, sin is big, it's bad, it's all over, it's dark and it's causing problems, but the grace of God is greater. The grace of God is greater than all our sin. I think of the hymn, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's Mount outpoured there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, Grace that is greater than all our sin. And when you think about it like that, wow. Yes, sin is bad. Sin will destroy. But there is a God that loves us so much that His grace is greater than all our sin. He will forgive it. He'll wash us white as white as snow, cleanse us. You say, why, why is this so, so uh, exciting to you? Because the high price that was paid for me, when I recognize the value that God has put on me, His grace on us. You say, what was the high price that He paid? In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 18 and 19, He says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the, from the traditions of your fathers. In other words, we are far valuable, more valuable to God than silver and gold. Amen. That's why He should be more far valuable to us Amen. than silver and gold. We were not redeemed with such cheap things as silver and gold. But He goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You say, what was the value that God put on us? The blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. That was the value that He put on us to redeem us from our sins, to give us salvation and eternal life. In closing, we can know that we have a relationship with God. We can know that we're cleansed. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, and I know this is a familiar passage to you, but if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the promise that we have in Christ that our fellowship as believers can be restored with Christ. Even if there's sin in our lives, we can see those warnings, we can hear those things, and we can trust the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us our sins by repenting. He says in the chapter, the next chapter, My little children, these things have I written unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. As we close this morning, we can leave here with confidence knowing that, yeah, there's sin out there. But the blood of Jesus Christ, He has taken our place. That there is hope for this lost and dying world. There's hope. And the hope this morning for this world is the great grace, the love that covers sin. Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. For us as believers, we need to tell that story. We need to let others know that there's hope, that there's forgiveness, that there's grace that is available. For us as Christians, we have to be sensitive to the warning signs in our own life. You know what the devil would try to do to us? He'd try to get sin in our lives to break our fellowship with the Lord. It would be so foolish of us to not walk with the Lord, to not confess those sins in our lives, to not get right with God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 8, 28 and 13. He says, He that covereth covereth his sin shall not prosper. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That's a promise. Whoso confesseth, who confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the call to us as believers this morning. The known sin in our lives, the things that we've been doing that the Holy Spirit's been telling us we shouldn't be doing, the thing that the Holy Spirit's been grieved with in our life, those sins in our lives, would you please... Would you please humble yourself and say, I'm going your way, Lord. I'm going your way, God. I recognize that if I continue down this path, that I'm going to end up in a trap. That I'm going to end up in destruction. I'm going to end up in trouble. I recognize, God, you're a heavenly father that's telling me like a loving father, telling his son or his daughter, don't do this. Not because you're trying to trying to do anything other than to help me. And today, right now, I'm humbling my heart. I'm confessing the sin, and I'm going to forsake it. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, Four five zero six six. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.